0: We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. You can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. First uh, player we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go through some waiver uh, recommendations. These are guys who are uh, more or less underrepresented in leagues. They're, they're on waivers in a little too many leagues, and we think they should be picked up based on their value. Or maybe we don't. Tommy might disagree with me, but these are some of the ones I care about. Let's see if Tommy does too. Teddy Bridgewater, Tommy, is he for real with Jerry Judy back? Uh, is this uh, someone we could rely on as a top sixteen quarterback going forward?
1: I mean, top sixteen, sure, but is top sixteen winning you a week? Um, like it, for me, Teddy Bridgewater, like he's solid, like he's reliable, but it's. I want upside if I'm going and trying to get a quarterback off the waiver wire. Like I'm looking for someone who's gonna give me, you know, top 12, top 10 production. It was nice what he did last week. He ended up like I think it's like the QB six overall, but that was the first time he's finished as a QB one since week two. Um, it's nice that he does get back, you know. Like I said, he's got Jerry Judy, he's got Cortland Sutton who kind of struggled a little bit uh when he has Jerry Judy in the lineup, but it's it's not bad. But it's just one of those like that game was such an outlier because I don't think any of us expected the Denver Broncos to do what they did against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he gets the Eagles this week. The Eagles are a tougher uh, pass defense than more people give them credit for. Like the one good thing they do week in and week out is their pass defense. Um, I, I think he's he's viable like as a streamer. It's just like I said, he's a safe play and it's just I don't know if you just want to have a safe play in your lineup rather than kind of going for a little bit more upside. Love it. In 68
0: uh, games that he's played, he's had more than three touchdowns uh, twice. Um, So when you're thinking about those big games, and he's generally a guy who's going to average about, you know, 225 yards a game, maybe 250. So if you look at it in in those terms, the, the highest ceiling you're getting from Bridgewater on a great day is low 20s. That is the highest ceiling. You're not going to see him get 28, 30 points. That's just not what he does. That's not the way the team is built. So to Tommy's point, I agree 100%. If you're getting Bridgewater, you're desperate, um, but you're also not going to be competing against those who have elite quarterbacks in their league. Now, someone with a little more upside, and you've been talking about uh, since uh, since I've known you now, going on five weeks, six weeks, Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we both liked him this summer as long as he was healthy. Yep. And now he's the QB 10 going into week 10 um, and things are looking up. Is is he someone who you could bank on? Like if you had, if you're in a 12 team league and you had Wentz with the fantasy trade deadline coming up, are you feeling pretty good about Wentz?
1: Yeah, if, if I have Wentz right now, like I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, I think he could be a, a QB one for the rest of the uh, rest of the season, like a lower end QB one, obviously. Um, but we're kind of seeing like an emergence from this Indianapolis Colts team. They've got a phenomenal um running game with probably the RB one for the rest of the season. You've got Michael Pittman, who's emerging as a legitimate, not just wide receiver one on his team, but a like a top 12 receiver in the NFL right now the way he's playing. And Wentz has been playing really well. Like outside of when you know he had both of his ankles sprained, like since week four, he's completed sixty five percent of his passes he's over he's averaging just over 250 yards per game and he's got a 14 to 2 touchdown interception ratio while also adding one of those on the ground um he's thrown for two more tds in six straight games which is his highest total or is his highest streak since 2017 uh when they when the eagles went on to have that massive run he's averaging 20 points per game he's been a qb1 uh, in four of his last five the only one that he missed mm-hmm. was he was a qb14 in week six um, like I, I, just see there's a lot of upside in Carson Wentz the way this team is playing. The Colts have a solid defense. The offensive line is probably the best one he's been behind when healthy. Um yeah. So yeah, Carson Wentz just makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Very good. I he he has been uh, a revelation for those managers who decided to skip on the top eight guys going into the you know you had everyone from Pat Mahomes down to, I say down to Tom Brady because Brady was a lot of uh, you know yeah. people's preseason seventh or eighth. And then it started to become, you know, do you, do you go with Jalen Hurts? Do you go with maybe, uh, you know, the next, do you, do you trust Joe Burrow? But Carson Wentz is one of those guys, no one was drafting.
1: Carson Wentz is, is what everyone wanted Ryan Tanhill to be.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's a very good way to say it. Someone who is going to give you about 20 points a game. Yep. Um, and that's uh, on the cheap. And these guys exist every single year. And yet every single year managers make the mistake and not always sometimes you strike gold but you make the mistake of saying i'm going to take this guy you know in the third round and you discover that he's only getting you three more points a game than a quarterback who you could
1: have picked up off waivers well my Um, thing is dude like if i'm going to draft like i can only afford to pay up early on a tight end or a quarterback like i can't afford to do it on both positions like unless i'm going zero rb mm. or zero wide receiver like it's that opportunity cost. Like, I feel like if I'm going after elite options on both of these ones, and for me, I'm an early tight end guy. So at that point, I now feel like I need to wait on a tight end. Like, if I go, let's say I grabbed Lamar Jackson and I grabbed in my first round, I took Travis Kelsey or I took you know, TJ Hawkinson in the third, whatever you want to call it. Like, I feel weaker now at my two core positions where I need to roster and start the majority of my team. So for me, if I went early with one, you can't go early the other. And for me, like we said, like given the depth of the quarterback position, that's that's the one you can wait on rather than you know being right now stuck where you're streaming tight ends. You could have gone early, you take Carson Wentz, you take a Joe Burrow later on, and you hope yeah. that it hits. You play the streaming game early on in the year until you find a consistent pattern, and then you move on with that. So maybe an ideal strategy is to take rounds, let's say, 11 through 14,
0: and or you know, and say I'm gonna in these in these four rounds I'm gonna take three quarterbacks. You 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 lose a little bit in the first couple of weeks because you're you're burning two roster spots and quarterbacks, but you're taking a chance on three back end quarterbacks, knowing that if if you're playing it smart, the probabilities are one of those guys could hit. And that yeah, and then I mean drop you could, one and and you know, and go from there.
1: You could. I don't like rostering that many quarterbacks, especially in a one QB league. Um, but I mean, I, I totally get the premise of it and it's very much like, okay, how many, how big's your bench things like how big's the league. Right. I mean, it's all those little, you know, individual factors go into it, but yeah, I mean, you know, take a shot on the, one of those, those mid, those mid tier guys who have a chance to play, give you QB 10 to QB 12 production. If you get that, you're now going to get an advantage at the other positions. Now, granted, like you're not going to have the upside of a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, whatever, but look, you're getting what Carson Wentz is giving you right now. You're happy.
0: That's right. And remember everyone in 2018, that summer, the preseason ADP for Patrick Mahomes was outside the top 16 and he went on to be number one quarterback, fantasy quarterback of all time. Next year, Lamar Jackson was outside the top 16. He went on to be one or two points shy. Yeah. And then Josh Allen. And you know, so it's, these guys exist uh, for us to take, (laughs) <laughs> to take advantage of our opponents, no,
1: yes, like the, you win your leagues not by drafting the guy at the peak of a ceiling. You win your leagues by finding the guys who are going to ascend to that level. It was like the Mark Andrews that year. It was like Johnny Smith last year, um, yes. Kyle Allen. I mean, but I mean, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. It's the guys who you draft at a value that all of a sudden ascend two or three tiers.
0: Dang, right. you do
1: that enough times, that is how you win your league, not just paying at the very top of her ceiling.
0: Everyone rewind 30 seconds. Listen to that again. Maybe if you can catch a little bit of me in there, that's great too. But mostly what Tommy said uh, is very important. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, guys ascending, Dernis Johnson might be ascending. Yeah. Um, we saw him that Thursday night game when I uh, uh, stupidly laughed at people who were starting Johnson thinking that he would break out against Denver. Uh, and within about uh, three minutes of game time, I slinked back to my couch um, and just accepted defeat. I, I was wrong, everyone. And so now here he is. He could be starting again. Nick Chubb on the COVID list. Demetric Felton on the COVID list. Kareem Hunt still out. Um, is Johnson the top waiver pickup for this week?
1: Yeah, I think he is, um, at least at the running back position. He probably doesn't have the long-term values and other guys will probably hit on when we get to the wide receivers. Uh, but I think for this week, yeah, he probably is. Uh, Cleveland is a team who wants to run the ball. I mean, you just you know this is not a team you're trying to rely on with Baker Mayfield. Uh, you got a decent matchup against New England, but it's more just the volume that Dearness Johnson could see. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that night against Denver, I never expected him to do what he did, but Cleveland Brown just came out on fire that night. Um, it's setting up to where it could be a bit of a trap, but I'm gonna fall for it. Um, if you ha- <laughs> if you have this game where you don't have Nick Chubb and you don't have Demetrik Felton, you've got Kareem Hunt on the IR. Like he could see 20 touches this yeah. game, like that. That floor is RB two. That's his yeah. floor, and if he that's just him running at like you know 3.4 yards per carry. Say he gets like you know just 60 yards on the ground, that's gonna give you an RB two. If he falls into the end zone, even better. Now it's a high end RB two gets a couple of receptions even better i mean it's yeah it, it just keeps it keeps escalating at that point uh yeah i would have absolutely no issue picking up uh Dearness johnson he's going to be in that high end rb2 range for me this week uh, just like i said it's they don't have anyone else in the team who wants to run the ball
0: yeah and may, maybe they'll sign someone uh this week we'll probably see someone but they they'll be a uh they'll be a token kind of you know someone to to fill out the lineup but uh yeah. this has you know, Johnson written all over it and probably Donovan people's Jones. This could be one of those games where he uh, you know, he shines again because I, I don't think they can give Johnson 30 touches. Maybe they can, but um, you know, this will be interesting to see if Baker Mayfield's forced to throw it a little bit more than he's used to. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's,
1: it's a great spot. Like I said, it's the new England. just double checked. Yeah. New England right now is 27th against the running back over the last four weeks, allowing a 29.3 points per game.
0: That's that is solid. Um and, and the fact that New England might be missing their uh, uh, two lead running backs. Yeah, we'll see how they're doing it. Uh, that could be tough if, if Mac Jones is forced to throw a lot that game, although that yep. does bring us to, and we didn't talk about it beforehand, Brandon Bolden. I think you wrote a piece on him Yep. Um, uh, that's coming out soon. What do you think? Is Brandon Bolden one of those uh, must adds if you don't get Dearness Johnson or is Bolden one of those that you just wait and see because of Stevenson or Harris plays? Uh, you, you know, Bolden's getting you eight points on a good day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a guy who's rostered in virtually any leagues. Like Brandon Bolden, he's rostered in like ten percent, roughly. He's been kind of serving as that like Rex Burkhead, James White kind of uh, receiving back kind of role. He is coming off a of a best game last week, but like I said, it came with the the concussion suffered by both uh, Damian Harris and or Madre Stevenson. If either one of them comes back, I think Bolden has value. If both of them come back, then I think he's out. Uh, it's kind of like a wait-and-see approach. Yeah. I don't think he's a must-add just because it's he could potentially end up giving you nothing, um, yeah. and so it all kind of comes down to your, on how much how many uh, bench spots you have, what your depth on your roster is. Uh, if you have the space to put him in there, yeah, go for it. It's a decent matchup um, against Cleveland, um, and he could get some, a heavy workload. Now, if both players miss because, I mean, they have to clear concussion protocols, and there is right. no timetable for this. They don't really have anyone else outside of JJ Taylor at that point. All of a sudden, Brandon Bolden becomes a smash home run. So it's if you've got the space, I can see going t- going and taking a shot on him on the, either him or on Ramadre Stevenson. If you think one of them will end up coming back, um, just be prepared that it could end up just leading to nothing. So I wouldn't use like if you have like the if you've been saving your number one waiver priority, I wouldn't use it on either one of these guys just because it's, you might not get too much out of it, and I wouldn't spend too much term. fab. Yeah. yeah, I don't I want a long term, and this is a this is a single week play. Like you're only going to get a one week out of this and move forward. So it's it's worth the the addition if you have the space, but it's not someone I'm clamoring to get.
0: Speaking of longer term, uh Ravens, Thursday night football. Um, I imagine Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, uh, and or Latavius Murray, if he's cleared, although that looks doubtful at this point, yeah, um, will do fairly well against Miami. Uh would If you were sitting down right now and uh, advising a, uh, a fantasy manager on whether to roll with Freeman and Bell if they don't have a top 20 running back, is that a smart move? And say, look, between those two, you're getting about 20 points on Thursday night.
1: Uh, you're probably not far off because uh, you're pretty much covering the entire backfield the way it is right now, assuming that Tyson Williams is going to be a healthy scratch because I can't figure out what what's going on there. He goes from being the... You know, the most the more electric player on that team, the more high, the highest efficiency player, all of a sudden now we're not even using when he's healthy. Um but yeah, if you get if you had Tyson Williams and um Le'Veon Bell in your Devontae team against Dolphins. Yeah, Yeah. Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell in your team, yeah, I, I get it. Um you're limiting your upside just for the safe floor and also like Thursday night games have a little bit of a chance to be fluky. Um, but I mean if if Tua doesn't play, we get Jacoby Brissett out there, might take a few risks, Baltimore turns him over a little bit more we know they want to run the ball. So it becomes a, a time of possession game. Then, yeah, I mean, both these guys would have a, a solid chance to do what you saw these times of weeks. And that's find The end zone. Uh, if you can get a touchdown, either one of these guys or out of both of them along with, you know, like 20 to 25 touches. Then yeah, you're going to walk out of here with, you know, two, you know, like a low end RB two and a, uh, probably like a, a flex play out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I could see, I could see the, the standpoint of one to play both. Like I said, it'll limit your upside, but it's probably going to be safe. Some people are
0: looking for safe right now. Some are looking for boom. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm struck by Le'Veon Bell, his lack of use in the passing game. He has only one reception.
1: Yeah, and um, he was arguably at one point, like he could have been a top 24 wide receiver in the NFL, like yeah. for, fantasy-wise, if he never even saw a single backfield snap. That's so, right. I mean, he was the probably the best receiving back in the NFL during his career stretch with the Steelers. And to see him not getting much anymore, it's, it's surprising because they don't necessarily have like a dedicated passing down back.
0: Yeah. It, it's like imagining Theo Riddick back in the day um, who played around the same time as Bell, but imagining Theo Riddick also rushing for a thousand yards. Like, you know, it's Bell was that was, you know, a, a consummate number one, number two overall draft pick for probably four or five years except when he was suspended. And so, you know, this was a guy who uh, was, it, it was one of the best in the passing game uh, in the yeah. backfield. And for some reason, uh, they're feeding Devontae Freeman more, uh, and I I do not understand it. And I'm just wondering if it's uh, – yeah,
1: I just wonder what's going on with that. I mean, just last week alone, Devontae Freeman ran uh, 30 routes compared to Le'Veon Bell with only five.
0: That is a great stat. Thank you, Tommy, for confirming what I had feared, which is that it seems – and maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's there's, – there's points on the table for Bell right now that, that are not being utilized. Maybe things can – I mean, things can shift on a dime in that backfield. We've seen it all season. Of course. And so, I, if, if you're out there, the reason why I mentioned Le'Veon Bell's name is I don't want people to give up on him. Devontae Freeman is not running so well that he just owns the number one role in that backfield. It's just a matter of the hot hand, and Freeman has it. Um, one more running back, Ty Johnson. Uh, you know, I've got Michael Carter. It frustrates me as a fantasy manager to see Ty Johnson getting so much attention, but as a yep. fan of football, How great is it that the Jets have a competent backfield, uh, 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 two guys who can be used in ways that really uh, help move the chains uh, for once after so many years of seeing uh, Bilal Powell being the number one running back in that offense. So uh, is Ty Johnson someone who is even safer than, let's say, Devontae Freeman or, you know, Le'Veon Bell and so on?
1: I don't think he's safer, just because I trust the Baltimore Ravens more than do the New York Jets, and especially in a matchup against the the Buffalo Bills, who, despite you know whatever happened last week, it's just because Week Nine made absolutely no sense. Uh, they're going to come back and be perfectly fine. I think this week, and in doing so, they're going to force the Jets to need to abandon the run. Um, it's been nice seeing Ty Johnson play well. He's finished as a top an RB two. Uh, three straight three games straight, while everyone's kind of been paying attention to Michael Carter. Uh, so you're seeing a little bit of a, a little bit of a split going on in the backfield. He's getting a lot of the the receiving work, which has been nice. Kind of dropped off a little bit last week with only uh, uh, two receptions on three targets. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it, he's getting work, but it, a lot of it's been buoyed by the fact that he scored in back-to-back games. If right. that doesn't happen, all of a sudden he starts losing value. Um, they've got enough right now to sustain like one solid running back in Michael Carter, uh, but if the game script all of a sudden flips the other way then Ty Johnson kind of loses a little bit of his upside. Uh, So I think it's been nice what he's done. It's nice actually seeing the Jets be relevant, uh, at least in a game like here and there, uh, outside of what we saw with Adam Gaze. So, yeah, it's nice, but it's Mm -hmm. nothing that I'm exactly looking to start in fantasy right now with Ty Johnson. That's good to know. And
0: latest report from earlier today, Tuesday, was that uh, the Jets don't want to bring back Zach Wilson until he is fully healthy, uh, which uh, may or may not be code for, uh, let's see what a healthy Mike White can keep doing. Um, but that's called trade value. Yeah. If, if, if white stays uh, uh, is healthy and is starting, uh, you have to think that's good for that backfield. It's good for that offense based on what we've seen so far. I'd love to tell you about today's sponsor of in the mood and that is X chair. uh, As I've shared uh, on each episode Uh, I've had lower back issues um, and they've bothered me for almost 20 years. Um, I love sitting in this X chair. I'm sitting in it right now. Every time I do this podcast, I sit in it. And you know what? Hours before the podcast, I am also sitting in this chair. This is a very comfortable chair. It conforms to my back. I feel good sitting in it. I don't feel in pain. My back does not hurt at all when I sit in it. Um, I am not a doctor, but I am a sitter. And I can tell you as someone who sits frequently, this is a chair I love. I'm very happy to work in this chair. So if you are also interested in sitting in a chair that you love, go to xchairpfn.com now. That's letter X, chair, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. XchairPFN.com. Wide receivers, uh, Elijah Moore, uh, you were high on him before I was high on him, Tommy. Then I felt like I was even higher than you were on him very briefly, but then you got even higher than I did. And now I don't know who's higher than on him, but all I can say is we both really like this guy. Tell me, is he the number one fantasy wideout on the jets for the rest of the season with or without Corey Davis?
1: Oh, see, that's the caveat is that this is all coming without Corey Davis. Um, you saw the absolute emergence last week, uh, where he end up going off. I think he end up actually as the number one wide receiver in PPR in week nine, you seen six straight, uh, six, three straight games of six or more targets last week, hauled in 84 yards on seven receptions. That's you. This is what we've always wanted. Like we have been pounding the table since the draft, like get Elijah Moore out there. He was arguably right. the number one route runner in this entire class and it's why it was so frustrating when they bring back James and Crowder and then draft Elijah Moore. Like you didn't need to do that because they're both competing for these slot snaps. Um so it's it's nice seeing this. Now if if Corey Davis comes back, I don't think after seeing what they're getting out of him right now, you can justify putting uh James and Crowder back over top of Elijah Moore and relegating him back to only seeing you know, two or so targets per game. Um I don't think you can do that anymore. He gets Buffalo this week and then they have Miami, then Houston. Um It'll be interesting to see what happens this week and who gets Davious White. Uh, if Corey Davis is back, I would assume he's going to oh. be going over towards him, and that'll yeah. uh, free up Elijah Moore to potentially have another good game. He's going to be a high-volume target kind of player. Um, he gets separation so easily. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I love Elijah Moore. He's going to be in that that flex play, that low-end wide receiver three to higher wide receiver four, it's because the wide receiver is so deep, so it's, it takes a lot for someone to really differentiate themselves and move up into another tier. Uh, But if you're looking for a guy who could potentially get targets in games where they're probably going to be in negative game scripts the majority of the time, Elijah Moore checks every box. And with Mike White playing the way that he is, it's kind of hard to look away from him.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that call. Corey Davis is 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 kind of... Uh, one of those frustrating guys when he was with Tennessee where he would come up big and then A.J. Brown would come up big and then Davis would come yep. up big. And you just never knew what you were going to get. I thought the Jets made a mistake uh, signing him. I understood why they signed him. Uh, they needed a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a marquee receiver and he was the best one they could probably get or the one they could most afford. Uh, but Corey Probably Davis, more option number two. Probably more option number two and and kind of a reclamation project. Former number five overall pick you know, maybe we can see the best of Davis in New York. I don't know when the Jets have ever had the best of anyone, except maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick back when he was quarterbacking and throwing to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Uh, but it's, it is unusual to see that in a Jets uniform, uh, and Elijah Moore, if you're in dynasty, you have to feel excited about what Moore can bring to the table. If the quarterback position stabilizes, um, and so uh, we'll move on from more. We're both very excited about him. And if you listened to this podcast weeks ago, you would have known this. I, I just want to make this point: we do not talk about. We don't sit there and say, "Oh, so and so got 28 points. Well, I guess it's time to to invest in Elijah Moore." You know, I guess it's. I guess uh, now we can buy buy into Michael Carter. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. no, we're we're tracking the trends that suggest that this kind of stuff will happen. I yeah. want to be very clear, Pat Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth. Tommy and yeah. I, for two weeks on this podcast, go back, listen to the tape. But Friermuth has been outstanding. There is mm-hmm. a process that Tommy and I use, that the whole fantasy team at Pro Football Network use, where we're not just sitting there saying, yeah, well, this guy you know, got 10 points, so keep the good times going. No, it's Friermuth had an opening. Ben Roethlisberger can't throw downfield. He's got two or three options. He can yep. dump it off to Najee Harris. He can throw it to Deontay Johnson or he can give it to FriarMuth. Those are his options at this stage of his 39-year-old arm career. So I just, I don't get this impassioned very often, Tommy. You see it sometimes at our staff meetings where I'm yelling Mm -hmm. at everybody. But on this podcast, I want to make it clear, what Tommy and I are trying to do here is we're trying to predict the future when the predictions now don't seem like they make a lot of sense. You got to trust us. There's a process for this. Um, So I'm not going to talk about Fryer. Yeah, we'll talk about Fryermuth at the end. Not that we yesterday. haven't already. I want to ask you about Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup. Mm-hmm. What is his role? If he comes back some, some fantasy managers out there, I'm not going to name names. Cause I don't know everyone who has Michael Gallup right now, but Gallup is someone that everyone's going, Oh, okay. I'm, we'll just wait. When he comes back, he's going to be a WR three. I don't know how he's a WR three in this offense. I don't know why people are holding him. What it tell, give me a reason why Gallup is going to do decently when he returns.
1: Because of Dak Prescott, I mean, it's because of how good Don't Dak Prescott intense. and this offense can be. <laughs> um, with when you've got Michael Carter, you know he could be like even the wide receiver three on this team can be productive. Uh, if we look back over the last couple seasons, I mean, he was a wide receiver twenty-two and the wide receiver thirty-eight, and even last year that was with you know Dak Prescott, you know, only playing like four and a half five games roughly. Yeah, um, it comes down to volume, but at the same time, it's like. Cedric Wilson's done a pretty darn good job filling in for him. Um, so it's not like they don't have other options. Um, plus, you've got Dalton Schultz, who's playing really well at tight end. So there's that that upside play of Michael Gallup. But I mean, if you've been holding on to him since week one, I mean, more power to you because you've been done. You've done a great job of of managing your rosters. Um, he's projected like he's probably going to play this week. Um, so it'd be good to see what you're going to get out of them go and it's a great matchup going up against atlanta atlanta struggles against the passing game like we expect like dak Prescott, he's a a top three play cd lamb he's a wide receiver one this week amari cooper he's going to be that mid-range to upper end wide receiver two gallup is probably going to come in in that wide receiver four range if he is active um but it's there that's there's that boomer bust upside of him like He's gonna give you games where he can give you, you know, a hundred yards on three catches and a touchdown, but there's gonna be those games where he sees like six targets. Him and Dak aren't connecting because they're a deeper A dot, uh deeper depth of target style of pass. And if they're just missing by a yard, you end up walking away with nothing. So it's he's a very much like I said, he's a boomer bust player. If it connects, it's great. But it's it's that whole thing. It's that weekly ability to trust him. It's hard to do, and especially for someone who, like I said, hasn't played since week one.
0: I wonder how much the Cowboys were working the phones before the trade deadline to try to, uh, trade I was Gallup, really surprised. He was the guy Gallup.
1: who I thought was going to get traded.
0: Yeah. It seemed like there would have been a, uh, you know, maybe they didn't want to send him to a contender, but he could also be a foundational piece for an up and coming team.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, like Houston would love to have a guy like Gallup to help, help, uh, basically give whoever is going to be the quarterback of the future there, whether it's Taylor or Davis Mills or someone else we don't know yet. Um, two very good receivers to throw to uh
1: which they which, could but houston's not a buyer like they're a seller right now and right. so i don't think they want to give up draft picks on a team that's trying to rebuild like what's yeah, more important enough. is it the draft picks or is it the or is it michael gallup like you can look at like the like the la rams like do you have a scouting department that you trust as much as like the los angeles rams do where they say screw the draft picks we just want veterans like do you right. trust your scouting department or would you rather just get michael gallup I mean, that's I the question the, they have to ask.
0: Right. And the question is, I think, I think some teams could have gotten Gallup pretty cheap, uh, given, I agree. A, and, and, you know, that's where I feel like a very good number three in an offense, you never really understand their value until they go somewhere else and become a number one or a number two. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can get them on the cheap. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, tight ends. Let's wrap up with that. Dan Arnold, he just keeps getting it done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I traded for, uh, uh, La Chanel, uh, like seven weeks ago. And I feel sorry. So uh, yeah, it just, it, I I haven't slept as well since then. Um, But you know, this is a team that has Marvin Jones, uh, Jamal Agnew is somehow doing well. And yet still Dan Arnold persists. And I don't understand how or why this is one of those Mm -hmm. cases where process gets thrown out the window. Can you help explain the magic of Dan Arnold is he is he a, a legitimate back end TE one or is this just
1: he's had some games and things will change? It's weird. It's like we talk about how like you know tight end, it doesn't have like a ton of elite depth, but we're now starting to get like that tight end eight to tight end like thirteen we're starting to get a lot of guys that are starting to pop into that kind of range. And that's kind of where Dan Arnold is starting to fall into given the, the amount of targets that he's getting. I think that's the biggest thing. And look, Trevor Lawrence is having no, he's fairly willing right now to just dump the ball off. Um, and that's a good thing for a rookie quarterback. Like you don't have to always press the ball downfield. I mean, like, you know, James, uh, Justin Fields last night for as good as he was against the Steelers. Like, I think his A dot was like 17 and a half yards down the field was his average depth of target. Like you don't have to do that every single pass. Like, take what's available um and i think that's kind of one of the things with uh with dan arnold is he's finding a way to get open and it ends up actually being one of the better trades that we've seen go down the season and i don't think any of us expected that to be that to be one of the more impactful trades but for fantasy it's worked out and you got a guy who's going like to said he's going to be in that upper end tight end two kind of range every single week if he's going to get six or so targets like that's about as good of a floor as you can ask for anymore in fantasy
0: He averaged 2.6 targets for his career. I just looked it up Uh, for the Saints, Cardinals, and Panthers uh, Mm -hmm. across three, a little over three seasons. And then he's averaged 6.4 targets in five games with Jacksonville. I mean, I I don't know if he, you know, sent Trevor Lawrence a a Labor Day present or something like that, you know, to to cash in on some love. I don't know what it was, but... I mean, he's seen 30
1: targets in his last four games.
0: Yeah, that's it's it is insane to me that somewhat you, and yet it isn't because these guys pop up all throughout the season. Mm-hmm. What what makes it troubling for us fantasy analysts, and I'll speak for myself, is what's the Dan Arnold of next week going to do? And I can't yeah. figure it out because because every time he does well, it means Marvin Jones and Chanel you know, aren't doing well. And so, at what point does does the uh, you know the scale tip? a little bit and
1: shift. I think it's like, I think Jones is okay just because they run so different. Like Jones is that perimeter deeper threat. Like if, if he's taking a shot downfield, it's going to Marvin Jones. I think it's hurting LaVisca Chenault more. Cause they're kind of both working that middle of the field. And I wonder like, would we have seen this if we didn't have the injury to Travis Etienne? Cause I know we talk about the, the mm. impact it's had on James Robinson and how he's been able to establish himself back as that running back one. Going into the season, there was all this the murmurs coming out of Urban Meyer that he wanted to use Travis Etienne as a wide receiver. Um, so I wonder, like, if you had Travis Etienne back in here, you probably wouldn't be seeing what's going on with Dan Arnold. Now, granted, it would have taken the trade and all this stuff to do it, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll throw all these caveats out there. But I think it's forced him to kind of change what they were wanting to do, and he's kind of now incorporating the tight end more so where he might have been using a potential running back.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that. I uh, love that analysis. It makes a lot of sense. Last player we're going to talk about, um, we're going to keep bothering you all at home. Sorry for, for saying I'm this. not Pat Fryermuth. Um, that's it. Pat Fryermuth folks. This is like the sixth time we've talked about him in two weeks. Uh, we'll keep talking about him. Yep. Even when Eric Braun comes back Fryermuth is still the future of this team. We've talked about him a lot. Tommy, any last words about Pat Fryermuth before we move on? Good at football. Good at football. Um, yesterday, I'm going to toot my own horn here yesterday on the show, a few hours before the game, I said, by the time some of you were listening to this, Pat Fryermuth is going to have 60 yards and a touchdown. We had like 54 and two touchdowns. So this is what you get. And what kills me is that I have Mark Andrews. I'm good with Mark Andrews. I'm not, I'm not in the market for a tight end, but I didn't follow my own advice. I'm sitting here going, everyone should pick up Pat Fryermuth, except me because I'm good. I got Mark Andrews. Well, you know what? If I'd picked up Pat Fryermuth, I would have been a much happier person today and last week. Uh, and if I traded Mark Andrews for someone good, that's how to play fantasy football. Don't do what I did and just sit there and say, oh, I've, I've, I've got a top five tight end. I'm good. Cash out on the top five, top five tight end. Do whatever Tommy and I tell you. Pick up Pat Friermuth, and then you're happy. Now you win-win.
1: I think you so have two probably- options. You can either trade away Mark Andrews or you trade a, you sell high on Pat Fryermuth, and keep the proven option. I think mean, you could have gone either way. Uh but yeah. I think mean, either one of those requires if you see talent sitting out there, yes. just get it. Even if you already have it on your team, get it because then yeah. you get to decide what happens with that player. Either A, you keep him on your bench and no one using him against you, or you trade away that player and bring value to another position on your roster. But at least at that point you're the one in control of what happens moving forward.
0: Love it. Take control of your team. That's what Tommy's saying. So that's a great, great note to end on. It's a lot of positivity, counterbalances, the negativity that I brought with my uh, complaints about not picking up. Thank you, Tommy Garrett, as always. Uh, I'm BJ Rudell. We are Pro Football Network. Thanks for joining us. Reach out to us anytime. We love hearing from you and we'll see you next time.